Hello, welcome to another episode of Double Thought Dimension. I'm your host, Derek. Today we're going to be talking about albums. We're going to just go through about five or so albums of the pivotal albums that changed me. Um, The albums that took me from one place to another. I used to be something, and then after listening to these albums, I was something else. I don't know if that's good or bad, but... um, I thought it might be interesting to the producers out there who don't really know what kind of music I listen to or anything like that. Um, You might find it interesting, possibly. But before we do that, I want to thank the producers of this podcast. Number one is Chelsea and Izzy. Chelsea and Izzy are sustainers. They rule. Thank you, Chelsea and Izzy. Next up is Stace. She went for a donation of $20. I'm not 100% sure if it's monthly, but if it is, holy shit. Thank you very much. Next up, Amber. Monthly, possibly, for 20 bucks. If not, either way, thank you very much. Next is Booberry. Booberry is the very first person to send a satoshi my way through fountain he sent five four 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 sats on april 13th and he sent them while he was listening to the mental toughness episode so thank you very much booberry for sending some sats my direction in the form of bitcoin um it's pretty cool it's uh, a new concept for me but this podcast is now accepting that type of thing so if it so uh strikes you feel free to send one of those things my direction if you know how or are interested in that i highly recommend getting a podcasting 2.0 app like fountain or whatever the other ones are curio caster um i personally use antenna pod quite a bit but it's not really uh v for v enabled but it's still a good uh tuner to use okay well that pretty much does it for that thank you thank you to all the producers to all the listeners to anyone anyone out there in the world uh thank you if you're listening right now i'm thanking you yes you even you even you sitting there who knows where thank you for listening okay We're going to be talking about albums. These are pivotal albums in my life. I'm not sure if anyone knows, but I used to be heavily into punk rock music. I still mostly listen to that to this day. However, I'm no longer an elitist, and I no longer look down on others for not listening to punk rock music. Uh, There was a time in life where... I was, I had removed myself from society, at least the way, at least I thought, and there was us versus them kind of mentality, where if you weren't a part of my social group, then you were considered them, 
and I wasn't really um, kind of a black and white world, I guess. But uh, yeah, some of these albums kind of formulated that worldview and it took me many years to expand off of that and see the brighter side of life. Um, however, you know, you can't go back in time and these albums um, helped me at a time in my life and I'll never forget them and I still listen to them occasionally to this day. The first album we're going to talk about is called Give Em The Boot 2. This was a compilation album. Um, I believe it was put out by Hellcat Records, but I think Hellcat Records was or is, if they even still exist, owned by Epitaph, which Epitaph is one of the those big, the biggest punk label ever, I'm pretty sure. Uh, the guy who was in B Bad Religion started that label, Epitaph, and lots of the famous punk bands were on it, like Rancid and no effects, uh, total chaos, etc. But anyway, this album, give them the boot too. I don't know how old I was when I first bought this album. I think I was 11 or so, maybe 12. But it had a heavy impact on me in an early stage of life. Um, I think I bought this either at Hot Topic or Bow Wow Records in Albuquerque. Um, at, at the time in, when I bought this record, Hot Topic had, they sold punk rock music. You could actually find fairly legitimate punk rock bands in Hot Topic. Um, I didn't really go to Hot Topic very often, but, you know, occasionally I would catch the bus to the mall and go to Hot Topic. And if I ever went, I would at least take a look around and see what kind of music there was there. And I think I bought this album at Hot Topic. Um, yeah, actually, I think I do. Because I remember now that I'm thinking about this, that there was, um, they were selling Doc Martens and braces there, which braces are like suspenders. Um, people used to wear them back in the day, like mostly skinheads, uh, the thin type of braces. Um, but they had, right next to the albums was like some Doc Martens and some braces for sale. But um, this album was for sale there just on the counter. Like it wasn't in the CD collection. It was just like a promotional thing that was just out like on the counter, I think. And I don't even know how I had money, you know. But for some reason I had enough money to buy this album and take it home. Um, I had just gotten into punk rock music very shortly before this. I don't even remember exactly the bands or what the first thing was, but one of my earliest memories of the punk rock scene was going to see Guttermouth at the launch pad in Albuquerque when I was in sixth grade, I think. And it was, uh, that was definitely a pivotal moment in life because you could smoke cigarettes in there and everyone was kind of a, I don't know, it was just a different thing I, that I've ever experienced before that. Just weirdos everywhere, people pushing each other, 
Um, I never seen a circle pit before, so it was. Uh, if you've never seen one, I recommend seeing one live. It's a. Uh, it's an experience, that's for sure. But after I went to that concert, I was pretty much dedicated to wanting to become a full-fledged punk rocker. Um, but I was also heavily into skateboarding, and uh, this music went right along with the skate scene. Um, even though around this time, uh, Shorties and Chad Muska had kind of transformed skating into more of a hip-hop thing, there was a, a lot of um, like hip-hop and rap happening in the skate scene, but um, I was still listening to punk rock, and I, there was still a lot of punk rockers in the skate scene as well. Just um, things had just kind of transformed a little bit in this in the skate scene. There was still a lot of like hip hop stuff going on, but there still was a lot of punk rockers as well. Actually, one of my um, this guy I met in Albuquerque. He was, I think it was the first time I'd ever seen the Misfits um, Crimson Ghost face on uh, clothing. He, I was at the skate park or I don't even know if I, if I was at the skate park, but there was this guy skating by and he had a leather jacket on and on the back of his leather jacket, he had the uh, Fiend Skull, you know, in paint, white paint on the back, back of his uh, leather jacket. And that was like, oh shit that guy looks cool like who is that guy i ended up becoming friends with him and um i'm pretty sure he's still in albuquerque in the skate scene possibly um i highly doubt that he might be i don't know who knows but uh he was one of the first like punk rockers i saw fully a punk rocker skateboarding around like it seemed like at that time there was kind of Either you were super into Chad Muska and like Peter Smolik and shit like that, or you're into the Baker um, piss drunks scene, which that happened a little bit later than that. But there was still a lot of uh, the old punk rockers like Dwayne Peters from U.S. Bombs. Um, he, you know, punk rock still had a big influence on skateboarding. It just it was kind of changing at that time, but I, I was into punk rock and skateboarding went hand in hand with it at the time. Um, I recorded this tape or I recorded the uh, Give Him the Boot 2 onto a tape and I would constantly skateboard around town to this album. Um, some of my favorite songs on the record were uh, The Gang's All Here by Dropkick Murphys. Going Out by U.S. Bombs, X-Ray Style by Joe Strummer, Crack City Rockers by Leftover Crack, and Flight of the Phoenicians by Vanity Five. And um, I listened to this album to go to sleep for years as a kid. I also had the poster that came with the CD on my wall forever. Um, I remember the poster was like a picture, must have been a picture of, I'm almost positive it was like Lars Fredrickson or Tim Armstrong from Rancid. And like one of their teeth was blacked out and um, there was like a Hellcat logo in there or something like that. And yeah, I just, uh, I was all about it. I was the target demographic for that album, that's for sure. Um, another thing about the 
album was that me and my friends had made a skate video that we called Gaptastic. Um, we called it that because the whole video was purely trying to ollie the, the largest gap. Um, but we weren't that good at the time, so it was kind of shitty uh, being that, well, you know, I was only 12 or whatever. But um, we would take the camcorder and tape on to the camcorder the tape player and then we would press record with the camcorder and then play at the same time and then that's how we would have music on to the VHS tape um, obviously we couldn't I didn't know how to edit shit so it was just like totally terrible but um, this was the album that we used to do that for that um, skate video <laughs> so it was kind of funny it would be hilarious to watch it now i have no clue if that even still exists it would be interesting to see for sure um right around the same time i believe was the first time i saw the u.s bombs and the dropkick murphys um the u.s bombs used to come to albuquerque constantly back in the day i don't know what it was about albuquerque but the u.s bombs used to play albuquerque like once a year or sometimes more it seemed like and uh, but the first time I ever saw him I was um, just mesmerized because Dwayne Peters is just crazy and uh, he would like pour beer on himself while he was playing and he would always play shirtless and just he's like the definition of a outlaw in my opinion he just uh, he has lived the life of a fuck you society <laughs> forever since the 80s or since the 70s probably and he's still out there doing it to this day i mean uh u.s bombs released a a record like a couple years ago and it's purely just Dwayne peters with not, none of the rest of the band because they like hate him because he became like a right-wing trump supporter or something but the music is still good and he still is crazy so it's awesome to see someone in there He's got to be in his 60s, and he's still just out of his mind, just tattoos and um, singing about crazy stuff. And just, um, it's I don't know, it's great. It's great um, art, uh, to say the least. But by the time I saw those two shows, uh, the other one was Dropkick Murphys. I saw right around the, the time that I got this record. And I saw this Dropkick Murphys at the Sunshine Theater. And... I remember this because I had never been to the Sunshine Theater before this, I don't think. And Sunshine Theater in Albuquerque is a bigger venue compared to the Launchpad. And it's like, um, there's more room in there so that more people can go. And it's a little bit more bigger bands go there as opposed to the smaller bands. Um, I actually ended up seeing The Exploited there later. And I also saw Motorhead and Dio there later on um but yeah uh the this album was heavily um influential to getting me more into punk rock music and wanting to really go for it um the next pivotal album that propelled me even further into the punk scene was the massacre by the exploited up until this point in my punk rock education, I was mostly listening to Rancid, Dropkick Murphys, 
U.S. bombs, uh, anti-flag, Blink-77, um, stuff like that. So this album, The Exploited, uh, by The Exploited, The Massacre, is extremely fast and uh, loud. It's like a, It's almost like a crossover album. It's almost like a metal album, kind of. And when I first heard it, I was like, holy shit, this is insane. Like, this is the best music I've ever heard. I remember thinking that, like, this has to be the best thing I've ever heard. And I immediately wanted to just join a punk band and, and become, uh, just fully go for it when I heard this album because um, it was the most intense shit I'd ever heard. Uh, I think I was 13 when I first got this record. Um, I think this band, more than any other band, is what really made me want to be in a band and really go all the way into the punk rock lifestyle. Just the massive mohawks, leather jackets, boots. Um, It definitely spoke to me at the time. Um, Later on in my punk youth, while I was in my own band, uh, we ended up opening for the Exploited when they played in Santa Fe. Uh, I don't know what year this was, but it had to be between 2001 and 2003, uh, somewhere around there. Um, but they played in Santa Fe at some venue that I don't know if it still exists. But at the time in the band I was in, uh, my band was called the Visex, uh, V-I-S-E-C-T-S. We had a song, we covered one of their songs. Um, we covered Fuck the USA by The Exploited, but we changed all the lyrics and titled it Fuck the APD because the APD is, stands for uh, Albuquerque Police Department. At the time, we were just heavily against the police. Uh, if you've ever lived in Albuquerque, you'll understand um, based on your lifestyle, um, you might uh, either support or not support the APD. But at the, at this time in my life, I I did not like them whatsoever. We were constantly um, getting in trouble with the police or having the police called on us all the time. Or I don't know how many times I was put in handcuffs for skateboarding. And um, yeah, so anyway, we, we covered... Uh, fuck the usa but changed it to fuck the apd um but it was an exploited song and you know we're obviously whenever you play covers you never expect to be playing a show with the band that you're playing a cover of so we went up to the lead singer wadi and asked him if it would be okay if we you know we told him the story like we're we covered fuck the usa and uh change the lyrics you know so but and he was like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. Um, although you can't understand shit that he says because he's from Scotland, I think. And it's just like mumbling. You can't understand anything he says. And he was all like just messed up on speed. Um, but he said, yeah, go ahead, play it. And uh, he went and got a chair. And then he sat directly in front of the... Uh, there wasn't a stage, but he sat directly in front of us and uh, just sat there and watched us play um, Fuck the APD, just stone-faced, just sitting there, like not no emotions, just looking at us. And uh, at the end of the set, or at the end of the song, um, you know, 
we went up to him and he all he said was uh the guitarist fucked up the solo <laughs> so it, it was kind of a funny experience and um that's what i really loved about punk rock music was and and still is i'm sure is that it's not a exclusionary thing um when you go see a punk show it's it's usually there's usually no stage you're kind of in the same area as the band there's hardly any rules the venues are crazy everyone at the show is crazy um there's anything can happen basically it's like a come to come at your own risk type of situation uh so i i loved it just uh it was for me and um but this show in particular in santa fe with the exploited was um awesome and it was uh definitely something that was cool um being that i love the exploited so much um it was kind of weird too because for some reason the lead singer from total chaos was like a roadie for the exploited during that tour and so we were hanging out with uh, the lead singer of total chaos and wadi for a little bit and um wadi just wanted crystal he was trying to find someone to get him some speed but we didn't do speed we weren't really did we didn't really do drugs uh thankfully so we uh who knows i'm sure he found it somewhere from somebody but um yeah crazy crazy times um my favorite songs from the massacre are um obviously the song the massacre um dog soldier don't pay the poll tax and blown out of the sky uh i highly recommend buying this record and uh, checking it out it's uh it's awesome. It's great. It's a great record, and it. I just listened to it earlier, and it it's uh, it holds up today. I would say, like you, all the concepts are can apply to today, just as they did in 1980 or whenever the fuck the album was released. All right, the next album that had a serious impact on me was uh, "God Hates Us All" by Slayer. This album, uh, So Has It, was released on September 11th of 2001. Can you, you know, imagine that? <laughs> because this is a extremely dark record. Like, every single song is negative, like, from start to finish. It's just purely negative album. Um, so to have it being re released on September 11th, uh, 2001 on 9-11 was uh, obviously a coincidence or, you know, who knows? Or was it? I don't know. But uh, it definitely uh, made sense after listening to it. <laughs> um, I think the first time I heard it, though, was around 2003. Um, at the time I heard it and got, I just got way too into it. Uh, I had just moved out at the age of 16 and I was extremely apathetic and just angry towards life. And this album is great for people who are down and depressed, although it's not going to help in any way. It's it's a purely negative. It's just a it's bad. It's it's not a good record. It's it's bad for you, but it's um it speaks for itself. You know, if you're into Slayer, you I'm sure you'll like it. Um, 
I don't, I, you know, I don't really listen to this kind of music anymore because any Slayer album, at least for me, it brings about a negative feeling, which I don't really want to listen to negative music anymore. It, it just, uh, I don't like it. Um, I try to listen to positive music if I can, uh, most of the time, just because I spent the majority of my life in a negative, dark, depressed state of mind. And I don't want to be in that state of mind. Like I prefer to be happy. So listening to this type of music will, will make you feel depressed. Honestly, I think, um, but at the time when I heard this, I was depressed and it helped me feel better. Like, uh, it made me feel like there, maybe I wasn't the only one that was feeling like this. Um, but it also led me, uh, into some more extreme music. Um, I got more into bands like Death and Destruction, Venom, Mayhem, Testament, uh, Pestilence, Possessed, um, Deicide, Cannibal Corpse, um, you know, shit like that. And that music is really, has a negative uh, point of view, at least some of it. Um, but it's super fast, super technical, and super angry type music. And it's great for um, running or working out. Um, but I used to constantly run to this album. Um, and I was obsessed with this album when I was in the sniper section. I would constantly be listening to um, this album uh, for years and years and years. The My wake up track uh, on my iPod was uh, the intro track to this album, Disciple. Um, just the beginning riff of the guitar um, is it's great. It's all, it's it's a good it's a good song, um, but it's not good as far as like <laughs> mental health wise. Um, I also used to listen to this all the time when I was in Iraq. Um, I would just go into the bunker and smoke cigarettes and listen to this album because. It's just, um, it's an angry, violent, crazy album. And I, you know, when you're in a crazy, violent world, um, it made, it made sense at the time. Um, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would recommend listening to this, you know, it's, it's up to you, but either way it changed, it changed my view of the world a little bit and it kind of reinforced my own negativity that I had going on. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It, it was a time in life. That's for sure. Um, some of my favorite songs on the record are Disciple, Exile, Warzone, and Payback. Yeah. Um, I think at some point too, uh, I, I was always the lead truck when we were in Iraq, when we, when we would do convoys. And then there was a time for a while there where we had a uh, loudspeaker where we could just talk through the loudspeaker while we were driving on patrols. And I know for a fact that I played um, a portion of this record through the loudspeaker while we were on patrol a couple times um, just to be a dick, which is wrong. Um, but, you know, at the time it was uh, whatever. I found it cool at the time. Uh, next album that influenced me greatly was England Belongs to Me by Coxbar. 
Um, this is actually a compilation album from Cox Bar, but it was my first intro into the band. I mean, I loved this album. Um, I wasn't that clued in to Oi music yet, so this pa paved the way for my massive love of, of Oi music. So I'm guessing it, if you're listening to this, you may have no clue what Oi music is. Um, Oi is basically street punk. It's like uh, it's kind of like the music that skinheads listen to uh, as opposed to punk rock. It's basically the same thing, but it's got a more working class vibe to it. And it's more it can be more aggressive and more um, like somewhat positive um, songs like about working or the working class or uh, shit like that. But it's also um, linked to a lot of like violence too. Um, but uh, Cox Bar, when they first came out, they, it wasn't really like that at the time. You know, they came out like in the 70s. So um, it wasn't a crazy, as crazy um, as it came became later, later on uh, with Oi Music. Um, but this was the first band that was like a legitimate Oi band that I um, got into, which caused me to get into all the other Oi bands like the Foreskins, the Oppressed, uh, Combat 84, Condemned 84, um, Screwdriver, uh, what are some other, uh, the Templars, Fat Skins, um, just so many other Oi bands, uh, Anti-Heroes. I would never have got into any of those bands if it wasn't for Coxbar. And uh, yeah, I love Coxbar. I think the first, I think I was 14 when I first purchased this. And I bought it from uh, Astro Zombies in Albuquerque, which the owner of the shop, um, he had a record store in the back of his comic shop. And we used to catch the bus downtown and just cause trouble and try to find people to buy us alcohol. But um, I bought this album at Astro Zombies. And at the time, I was hanging out with these local skinheads a lot who were my age. And we were basically just the youngest in the punk scene. Um, and they were some of the they were the first punk. They were the first skinheads I met that were my age. Um, I had met a lot of skinheads prior to that, but all of them were way older than me. So these were the first ones that were my age. And uh, once I got this album, I was pretty much on my path towards wanting to be a skinhead too. Um, but yeah, uh, we would listen to this album and we would go drink Guinness and Bass in a ditch behind um, my friend's apartment complex. And I was heavily listening to this album, um, England Belongs to Me, at, the, at that time. It was uh, constantly playing it um another strange thing about uh this album well maybe not about this album but just cox bar in general was that i have two cox bar themed tattoos one of them is uh i have the the logo on my chest but then instead of saying cox bar it says independent and then on my shoulder kind of like on my between my neck and my shoulder i have a chip tattooed um, because I got, I decided to get the uh, chip 
you know, because of the song Chip on My Shoulder by Coxbar. Um, and <laughs> it doesn't look like a chip at all. It's supposed to be like a poker chip, but I didn't really know what a poker chip looked like. And the guy doing my tattoo, he didn't really know either. And we didn't really have the internet that much at that time. And uh, so I don't think we like could look it up. Um, so he kind of just winged it and uh, drew up this thing real quick. And um, it doesn't look like a chip in any way, but it's a uh, chip on my shoulder. Um, and I got it from uh, listening to Coxbar. Um, another weird thing about the tattoo was the guy who did the tattoo uh, ended up being on Ink Master Season 9. Um, he went by the name Doom Kitten on the show. Um, but this is the same guy that gave me the chip tattoo. <laughs> he also tattooed a traditional skull on the back of my neck. I think I paid him like 20 bucks um, for each of the tattoos. And uh, yeah, they weren't that great. Um, I'm sure he's gone on to become a great tattoo artist. But at this time, I don't know how many more tattoos he had done prior to this. Not very many, I don't think. <sighs> Sorry, hold on. I had a beer beer, beer break there. Um, yeah, it was kind of interesting. I was watching. We got into uh, Ink Master for a while there, watching it. And we were watching, and I was like, man, that guy looks familiar. Um and sure enough, I'm like, man, I looked it up and he was from Albuquerque. Like, man, that is that guy. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of funny to watch watch him on TV and uh, just have the memory of getting that, the tattoo. And um, yeah, kind of weird. Um, if you never heard of Oi Music, I would recommend getting into it. If you, if you like punk rock, I would recommend listening to Oi. And uh, a good place to start is Cox Bar. And if you're going to start with any album, might as well start with this one because it helped me for sure get into Oi all the way. Um, my favorite songs on this record are Running Riot, uh, Chip on My Shoulder, obviously, Sister Susie, Where Are They Now, and What You Gonna Do About It. Um, I listen to this album all the time to this day. I, I it's a great It's a great album. Let's see, the next. The next one I want to talk about is Damaged by Black Flag. Um, this album was released in 1981, and some people say that they hate this album because they hate Henry Rollins, but this was my the first um, Black Flag album that I ever owned. I had heard, heard Black Flag before, and I liked them, but I had never physically owned any of their records until um this this album damaged um but i i actually prefer the keith morris black flag uh, um compared to the henry, henry rollins but i like this album and it's a uh, nostalgic for me um i think i was 16 when i first bought this record and um it reminds me of the time right before i moved out because I was drinking and partying just all the time and listening to this album at school. And uh, when I bought this album, I was living in the attic of my grandparents' house. We always went back and forth to my grandma's house whenever we had to move out from our latest house. And I chose the attic because my uncle had lived there and uh, when he was a teenager, and it was, it was nice up there. Plus, no one could really get up there because the stairs were too steep. 
I would just uh, smoke cigarettes and listen to this album constantly. Um, I also love to roll cigarettes. So I would buy a pouch of top and roll out all my cigarettes for the day while listening to this album. Um, one thing that I remember, uh, I don't know if we were listening to this album. I think, yeah, because we used to go up to my room and we would just smoke cigarettes, roll cig cigarettes, and then my one friend really liked Black Flag as well, and we would always listen to Black Flag while we were rolling cigarettes. But one night he uh, just ended up spending the night, and we thought it would be, um, we wanted to sneak out. Actually, the, our, yeah, that's when I first, um, I was first getting together with my first girlfriend, and I was talking to her on the phone, actually, I think, in my attic, and um, we had come up with this plan to go, we were going to sneak out and go pick her up from her house, but um, we, like, I think we told her we were going to do it, and so we waited till mostly till it seemed like everyone was asleep in my house and uh, my friend went down the stairs first and he ended up falling down the um, attic stairs and totally just blew the whole cover of our um, quiet sneak out. So we <laughs> ended up not sneaking out because we caused too much of a ruckus. Um, but <laughs> it's kind of funny situation. Um, but uh, yeah, we were listening to this album at the time, I'm pretty sure. Um, some of my favorite songs from the album are Spray Paint, Six Pack, TV Party, Depression, and Police Story. Um, when I was in a band, we used to cover Six Pack quite a bit. And um, actually, one time I remember we were playing a show in um, El Paso, Texas. And the bass player couldn't go to the show or something. I can't remember exactly what happened, but for some reason I was playing the bass. And uh, we were playing six-pack. And I wasn't really that good at the bass. Um, but we got through the cover and the show sucked. Like, no one was into it. Like, it was obvious that everyone came to the concert for the other band that was there and we were kind of just like an afterthought, but we ended up going to, it was kind of weird too, because it was like at this place called like the house of rock and roll or something. And only one person was over 21, but they said we could just drink as much beer as we wanted. They just gave us a bunch of pitchers of beer and we ended up just getting drunk and then going back. They had given us a free hotel room to stay in. Um, that was like a conjoined to this venue that we were playing at and being that we were young and not very bright and highly intoxicated we ended up drinking like a shitload in the room and then smoking a bunch of weed and I don't know what happened at the show at the hotel there was like um, someone had called the police and they were like raiding the hotel with dogs and if anyone's ever been to El Paso, the place we were playing at was very close to the border of Mexico. Like you could see Juarez across the river. Um, and I almost posited that these police that were raiding this hotel were not U.S. Like I don't think they were from the U.S. I think they were from Mexico. 
I don't I really don't know, but we got so freaked out and we didn't want to go to jail that we um we jumped out of the second story balcony and ran back to our van because we had fucked up the room too because we were like drinking and throwing shit around and smoking weed and we um, abandoned the hotel room, jumped off the balcony and ran back to the van and I don't know if we just started driving or if we slept in the van, but we none of us got caught. We didn't get in trouble. No one went to jail, but it was a crazy, crazy time. And I I was either 15 or 16, somewhere around there. And um, but we were playing. I know for a fact we covered um, six pack during that our set list. And I was playing the bass and yeah, it must have. Su- I'm sure it sucked because I, I sucked at bass and we didn't really rehearse too good at least for with me playing bass um either way it was a hell of a hell of a memory that's for sure <sighs> yeah i've got shitloads of other albums that i love um but i wanted to get to some pivotal albums that shaped who i've become um the punk rock scene between 1999 and 2008 were just it was crazy time i'm not sure how it is now but at this time things were nuts The scene was quite large and the punk community was fairly tight-knit. Every weekend usually involved some wild party at one of the local punk rockers' houses. Um, I don't know if anyone ever remembers the punk houses. Like, uh, they all had names like Gold House, Old Mexico, The Compound, The Dungeon. Um, These were just nicknames for people's houses that had lots of uh, punk rockers that lived there. Um, A lot of these... Houses were located in the student ghetto close to uh, UNM, which is the University of New Mexico. But I was just a kid throughout all this. Between the ages of 13 and 21, uh, I was there. Um, we also had a lot of venues that catered to punk and metal bands. Some were uh, the Launchpad, 412 Central, The Attic, Insurgos, The Vortex, um, and, and as well as uh, lots of uh, house shows. I'm pretty sure that I blacked out at almost all of these places. Uh, I used to just drive around drunk constantly to all these shows and parties um, right after I moved out. Um, Being that I was only 16, it was crazy to think that I never got a DWI. Um, Yeah, nuts. I wonder how young punk rockers are getting into punk these days. Like, does anyone even, or is anyone even getting into punk music anymore? Like, is there still a local punk scene? Um, I don't know. I live in another part of the world now, and uh, I never, you know, I've never joined the current scene, you know, in this region because I just don't care. I'm not into that anymore. Like, I don't want to just go get fucked up all the time and waste my life like I used to. But um, I'm going to a concert actually on uh, this coming weekend. It's going to be a Misfits cover band. Um, they're called Grave Zig. So it's like a mix of uh, Michael Graves and Danzig era Misfits. And it looks like it should be pretty fun. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm fairly excited because I haven't been to a punk show quite some time. So it should be interesting to see what it's all about and uh, maybe relive some of those old times. Maybe there'll be even be a circle pit. Who knows? But yeah, I don't know. I learned many hard lessons in life 
from hanging out with people who were alcoholics and drug addicts. And uh, many of the situations made me learn the hard way, which helped me to grow up. You know, maybe I grew up too fast, but I definitely learned some very intense lessons at an early age. And all of these albums that I mentioned were playing in the background, you know, and it definitely shaped me for sure. I mean, from the tattoos to the stories to the scars to the constant blackouts to the people I met, um, just a hell of a time, hell of a time, that's for sure. But um, yeah, that pretty much does it for this episode. And thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the Double Thought Dimension podcast, whoever you are, where, wherever you are. Maybe you're in Ashburn, North Carolina. Perhaps you're in Poland. Maybe you're in Iceland or Greenland. I don't know. Maybe you're in Spain. Maybe you're in Mexico. I've, I've never seen not one Mexican download. Um, you know, what's up with that? Uh, I'm from New Mexico. Uh, I'm not opposed to Mexican listeners. Um, so if you're out there and you're listening to Mexico, send me an email in Spanish and I will respond in Spanish. Um, I can read Spanish fairly well. I just can't speak it that good. But if you send me an email in Spanish, I'll send you one back in Spanish. Um, Se habla español uh, poquito. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. And remember, if you're hearing this, you are the resistance.